Blog Talk Radio. Hello. A late night, last minute special, which is basically kind of kind of my little thing. I'm sitting around, you know, writing, sipping coffee, you know, watching my house become quiet, and I just kind of think, okay, it's 11.30, or more like 11.24, and well, let's just get on and kind of talk it out. Because I will tell you, writing, you know, 40 to 50 articles a month, it's always a lot more fun to get on the the podcast ways and just talk instead of having to write an article, find a picture for the article, make sure it goes up at a good time, telling people to read it. It's better for people just to kind of walk around and listen to you talk. Easier for them to click away, but also easier for them to find you and stick with you. We're going to be talking about a little bit of everything tonight. Uh, Vinyl, the HBO series, had its uh, season one finale, an erratic and but kind of intoxicating and entertaining new show from Martin Scorsese and Mick Jagger. Had a little bit of everything. Kind of got derailed by a lot of subplots. Kind of got away from the music, but the finale kind of put it back in its right ship. Uh, heading into season two, we'll talk about that. Talk about the the St. Louis Blues upsetting the Blackhawks because when you beat the defending Stanley Cup champions on their home ice, it is called an upset. doesn't matter how you the regular season points shook out. It just happens that you go into their house in Chicago where you've had problems before and you tell them to go fuck themselves and come back from a two-to-one deficit in the third period and kind of just stun the whole crowd that thinks that the Blackhawks are all high and mighty. They're going to win everything. Uh, the Blues are going to have something to say about that this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the Cardinals and how they all of a sudden like to hit a lot of home runs. They didn't like to do this the last two years. And you have guys like, you know, Jeremy Hazelbaker and Aledmus Diaz and even Eric Fryer, who before this season, if you told me Eric Fryer, I'd probably say, is that a guy that lives in my apartment complex here in Arkansas or is that a Major League Baseball player? Turns out he's a Major League Baseball player, and he has refused to get out. Six at-bats, four games, six hits, two doubles. Had a big hit today, and it went over the Reds, which gave the Cardinals another series win. And a little small team called the Cubs comes into Bush Day tomorrow. We'll discuss that. We'll discuss some movies. I don't really get to discuss movies, you know, unless I'm doing a really quick hit at the end of our my podcast with uh, Daniel Shoptaw, uh, Best Games in Baseball. I always kind of feel like I have to kind of cramming in because we, 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 we've already been talking for about an hour and ten minutes at that point, and I know people can barely stand to listen to us for that long, so I kind of got to do a condensed review. But I'll, I'll tell you what you should see this week and what you know you should be thinking about. We'll, I'm going to kind of have a little rant about missing St. Louis because I miss St. Louis every day. I think about my hometown frequently throughout the day. Whenever I have to eat Arkansas food or Maumel, if I had to get into detail, Maumel, Arkansas food. I miss my St. Louis food. Um, upcoming shows, I got some guests lined up uh, from people I really, really like on Twitter, people I've been following forever. You know, when I started this podcast idea, hey, let's get on here for 30 minutes. You know, you know, you, you don't do the Skype where you can just talk forever which is fine for some areas, but 
I kind of like the blog talk. They kind of make you do it in a half an hour. There's even a 15-minute option, but I think that would be basically me would cover my whole fucking intro, and then I'd be like, okay, bye. We'll talk about whatever. We'll talk about everything I just previewed next podcast. So 30 minutes is good. makes you kind of hustle, which is what I've been doing my whole life as a writer. You're not trying to get paid and reach people and build an audience. You know, you, you get you got to write a lot. you got to write some quality content. This is about 900,000 articles on, on the Internet on any given moment about probably what you're writing about. So you got to kind of sway people. you got to be good or you got to not suck. I'm probably more towards barely not sucking right now, so that's, you know, progress. But, and by the way, as we're, like, you know, fucking five minutes into the show, my name's Dan Buffa. <laughs> I mean, you get a dose of Buffa. I mean, it's not like, you know, you know Bernie Buffa's talking to you. It, it's Dan Buffa. You can find me on Twitter at Buff82, on Facebook at, well, Dan Buffa. I don't have a, a calling card name. I, I'm not, I, I don't have, you know, a, a a cool little, you know, uh, pseudonym or separate name that I'm known on the internet as, I'm always going to be known as Dan Buffa. It doesn't matter if I have people making parody accounts of me, one person making 20 parody accounts, free publicity, but it's never going to make me change my name, my account on social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, away from Buff82, Dan Buffa. It's always going to be the name. It's not going to be... Uh, Oh, Gallo, love 2016. It's not going to be, you know, I love Cardinals. It's not going to be the Cardinals record at uh, 30 and 15 or whatever the record happens to be. It's going to be Dan Buffa, always. No matter how much you hate me, how much you love me, it's going to be Dan Buffa. So let's break into the first topic again, vinyl. If you haven't watched this show, well, this is where you're probably just going to, you know, tune out or skip ahead to the, where I'd be talking about it the next subject. But let's get into vinyl. HBO series, HBO has been trying to, you know, they've been trying to replace you know, or find the next Sopranos or The Wire or even Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones is their, you know, their, their golden goose, their behemoth at the moment. You know, it's their biggest show. It's going to go for like another two, it's, it's going to go for at least eight seasons, maybe ten. I mean, a whole season of Game of Thrones costs about $100 million. It's basically like make 12 episodes of that is like making a movie. But Vinyl was kind of like their big 2016 show. It's, you know, from the minds of you know, Mick Jagger, Martin Scorsese, two guys that have worked together since the 70s. I mean, Martin Scorsese has used the Rolling Stones music in almost all of his films, and he even made a documentary about the Stones. He, I think he even did a, a, a documentary about the concert back in the day, and then he did one about six, seven, eight years ago, called Shine the Light. He loves the Stones, and they kind of got together for this Mean Streets era set kind of story about a record producer trying to save his record label. The 70s was a white-hot time for music and drugs, great-looking women and clothing, and just it, it was just kind of a... It was hypnotic, and it was dangerous. And what center of the story is Bobby Cannavelli's Richie Panestra. Bobby Cannavelli is one of those guys you're going to look at and go, I know that guy. I've seen him in like eight different things, but then you, but then you go to your IMDb page and you go, okay, that's his name. Because like one of my favorite actors, Frank Grillo, you, you know him by his face, you usually probably don't know him by his name. 
He was in another HBO show called Bork Empire, where he played uh, Jeff Rossetti, one of the most notorious villains of the past like decade on premium cable television. That was his first time working with the vinyl showrunner Terrence Winter and Scorsese, so they kind of put him at the center of the show as this very kind of a fuck-up. He's basically a record producer who's gifted and that he can find great bands, but he's also, he snorts everything and drinks everything except for his problems, which happened to be his collapsing marriage with Devin, who's played by the lovely Olivia Wilde, his working relationship with his partner, Ray Romano, who's really good in this show. He, his record label is dying. You know, they don't have any hits. Uh, they, they need more bands. Uh, Mick Jagger's son, James Jagger, plays a, a singer on this show, a band that could save the label if they can kind of come together. It's it, it, it's a good show. It started off really well. I would say that it kind of got derailed in the middle of the season. It's 11 hours, 11 episodes. It started off with a two-hour premiere uh, two months ago. It was really good, but then there was this murder, and then it's kind of overshadowed the whole season, and it's gotten away from the music because Terrence Winters, his trailers, promoted this show as a, as a show about the, the discovery of great music and how it tears you up and builds you back up. You know, it, it makes you go crazy, but it brings you together, and then all of a sudden there's this mafia subplot, and then there's this all this, you know, craziness, and the show just went all over the place. It was wild. It was erratic. It was always good to watch, but it's, you know, it's lovely. It, the cinematography, the way it's shot is just great. The music is great. It's Scorsese and Jagger. They're not going to pick a bad soundtrack. These guys are pros. Cannavale deserves an Emmy because he has kept this show interesting for the whole season, even if the plot and just can, and the plot threads and the subplots kind of get out of get out of line and they go all over the place. He's kept you watching. He's a great actor. If you go on his IMDb page, every one of those movies he's been great in. And this show is going to prop him up and hopefully give him an Emmy nomination and a win. But what the finale did tonight, well, okay, it is. It's still a night. I figure we're into the morning. We're not. It's 1140 here in Arkansas. What the finale did was return the show to what it aimed to be in the beginning a show about music and how you can find it and it can save your life. Richie needs his label to be good again. He doesn't want to sell it. He doesn't want to sell it to the Germans, which is what was being teased in the, in, in the beginning. You know, these, you know, these rich, you know, Germans, you know, foreign label people that are probably just going to break the label up into different things and sell it, you know, tear it apart. And Richie doesn't want to do that. And his partner, Zach played by, Ray Romano and Max Casella, another great character actor. You just gonna have to go look up. They're trying to save it, and you know you got Juno Temple, who's been in a few films. She's great. You know she's she locates this band, the Nasty Bits, led by Mick Jagger's son James Jagger, who plays Kip Stevens. And you know the the finale got back to them, and it got back to Richie trying to help them put on this great show that can help the label and bring it back together. It kind of got away from the bullshit that was slowing it down from like episodes four through eight or nine. And it got back to that, that greatness, you know, that, that great acting, 
central storyline about music and how it's so great. It, it got it back on where it needs to be. Now, season two is going to be interesting. Uh, Terrence Winter is not being brought back, probably because season one was so up and down and all over. HBO doesn't like a roller coaster, especially when they spend money. I mean, this show is not as heavily priced as like a Game of Thrones, but it still costs a lot of money. HBO does not make a cheap show. Even Lena, Lena fucking whatever her dumb shit. <laughs> no offense, but whatever her show, Girls costs, I'm sure it costs more than you think. I'm sure even these little independent shows cost a lot more. They don't, they don't, you know, shemp when it comes to money on these shows. So vinyl is, a, is an expensive show. So they don't want to have another season where it's erratic and it's not that good. So winter's not coming back. That that may take away the as, uh, the uh, the gangster aspect. Hopefully, hopefully it gets back to what the finale kind of righted the ship, and it's putting it in, in being all about music and not being about anything else because that's what it should be. You know, I mean, we can we can put in Mean Streets or Goodfellas and watch, you know, how mafia guys beat up guys who don't pay them back or rat them out and all that bullshit. We've seen that a million times. What we haven't seen is a great show on a premium cable network like HBO really dive into music, and it's fictional. I made a comparison that if you ever seen a little indie film called Begin Again with Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley, if you picked up Mark Ruffalo's character, Dan, who's kind of a fuck-up in that movie, who but has a gift for locating talent. And you put him in the 70s and had him do a shitload of drugs, that would be Richie Benestra on vinyl. And it's great. And Begin Again didn't have a, a subplot with a bunch of dangerous men holding guns and gangsters. It was all about music. That's what vinyl needs to be. Finding and, and developing great talent and amidst the chaos of the 70s. But yeah, vinyl, season finale, right of the ship. It'll be interesting to see where it goes in season two. New showrunner. Showrunner is basically the kind of guy that's on the ground floor every day. He looks over the directors, the, the scripts, the actors. He, he just runs the show. That's why I call him the showrunner. It's kind of a name that some shows don't use, which some, some shows do. Sometimes it's more than one person. Sometimes it's, it's like three people. On this show, it was mainly Winter. I'm sure he had Scorsese and Jagger around his oversight to see what he was doing, but it's probably of their money, along with HBO, because they were executive producers. Uh, so, yes, if you want to get into vinyl, you know, it's a little wild and erratic, and it's 11 hours, but it's got great acting. It, it writes the ship in the finale. It'll keep your attention. I mean, there's, you know, there's it's got the language, the nudity that, comes with every HBO show. I really, really recommend it. I really like the beginning, even when it kind of you know strayed a bit. I'll still say it was very watchable. Uh, but give it a shot. I mean, I can't say I'm not going to get out in the street and come in, you know, campaign for it like Banshee or Directv's Kingdom. But Vinyl is a good show. Moving on. As I've already burned through, look at this, half my fucking show. This is why people like, you know, Shoptal and Bruno do an hour on Skype and just upload that shit because they can go as much as they want. The Cardinals, do a quick hit on the Cardinals, uh, they kind of, uh, they're kind of hitting a lot of home runs. And for fans, this is not good because we know this can't continue. We know Hazel Baker can't keep hitting like this. And 
<laughs> How'd you like that, that that cool transition from an HBO show about music to the Cardinals, huh? In about 10 seconds, I just did that. I probably lost about 2,500 viewers or listeners or whatever they call them. But the Cardinals are hitting a lot of home runs. Their bats are saving the arms. The pitching has been good, very good in, in certain moments, rougher in other moments. Our ace, Adam Wainwright's not having a good start. Michael Waka has had a couple great starts in a row. It's good to see. Uh, Jaime Garcia probably pitched the game of his life on Thursday. Uh, Carlos Martinez, as well as Carlos Martinez. Uh, Mike Leake is kind of working out the kinks, but I think he's going to be all right. But the bats, specifically, guys like Alemis Diaz has 13 hits and 32 at-bats. He's hitting 406. He's got... Elizabeth Diaz has only struck out two times. That's one of the greatest things. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to, you know, start striking out more. You know, after a lot of strikeouts early to the first even five or six games, even when they started to score runs, the strikeouts have kind of went away. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know in the first four to five games, they struck out, they, they averaged about 10 to 11 strikeouts a game. You know, Matt Carpenter was striking out a lot. Randall Gritchick was swinging a the kind of bat they give away to kids at the game. They must have been like a couple feet long because he was missing everything. He's hitting better. He's still only hitting 194 in the season, probably because he had such a rough start. You know, he, he still only has seven hits and 36 at bats, but you know, four of those are extra base hits, two home runs, two doubles. But then you got guys like Hazel Baker, who's got three home runs and, and seven RBIs, and. Uh, he, he's just a big surprise. I mean, this is another thing, example of the Cardinals bringing up these rookies. Alemis Diaz and Hazel Baker are rookies that are just contributing like no other. I mean, you, we, we couldn't have seen this. I mean, Diaz almost didn't make the team. Hazel Baker wasn't supposed to be doing anything. Shopton, I talked about him, what kind of shot he would get two weeks ago when the season was kind of opening up. We thought he might get a, a few at-bats here and there, but here he is. He's got 33 at-bats, and he's got 13 hits. You got, you know, Molina has, is leading the team in hits. He has 14 hits. He's hitting 311. He's driven in six runs. He's got four doubles, not all singles. He's got 10 singles and four doubles. Yadier Molina, a guy that everybody thought whose, you know, hand might fall off in the first time he swung a bat in spring training. Matt Holliday started off very rough, had a great game on, uh, what was that, when he just assaulted Reds pitching on Friday hit two home runs. He's still only hitting 225, but he's coming out of it. He's drawn five walks. He's got five doubles, because that's what Matt Holiday does. He gets extra base hits. He's a doubles machine. He's got five, tied with Diaz for the most in the team. You have a lot of guys that are hitting really good. I mean, you have you know, Molina, uh, Hazelbaker, Diaz. Uh, Greg Garcia's had some great hits. Eric Fryer, as I mentioned earlier, refuses to get out. He had a couple really big hits today. I mean, he had three hits, but he had the go-ahead RBI double in the eighth. This guy, you know, he made the team because Brian Pena slipped on the dugout and banged up his knee. Brian Pena was brought in to be the backup to Yachty. He's the nicest guy in the world. I mean, he's the guy that comes into a media room and shakes everybody's hand before he talks to him. I've never seen that happen before. Usually the Cardinals wouldn't even want to look at us much less shake our hand and maybe answer our questions and run away. But Payne was very nice, but then he 
slip on dugout steps, and then, you know, here's Eric Fryer. Like, like I said, people probably thought he worked at a barbecue place down the street from your house instead of being a major league baseball player. And he's got six hits and six at-bats, and he's just, you know, allowing Yachty to get some rest, and you know, before the big Cub series tomorrow. So that's great. I mean, the Cardinals, they've hit 21 home runs. Uh, according to baseball reference, last April, they hit 14 home runs in the month of April, 14 total. And they've hit 21, and it's April 17th. There's like at least 12 games left in this in this month. You know, they hit a little over well, they hit 137 last year as a team. Now, they're not going to keep hitting home runs. I mean, there's going to be some ice on these bats, but it has to be, I'm going to write about it, I actually stopped writing about it for KSDK to do this podcast because, I don't know, I just kind of felt like talking to myself at 11.30 at night. Okay, well, I'm not really talking to myself, but I'm talking to a, a phone and an empty airwave. Anyway, Cardinals are hitting for a lot more power than we thought. What we all thought was going to be a problem is not a strength. What we all thought was going to be the strength is kind of a, you know, the issue. I think mean, I still think that pitching is going to be the strength of this club in the long run, but right now, you have a lot of guys that are hitting for extra bases. I mean, it's not like the Cardinals are just, you know, in the first few games they're getting singles and uh, bunting people over and they're getting sack plays. Now they're just cranking doubles all over the field. They're hitting home runs. They're driving people in. They're assaulting teams. They scored 10 runs in three straight games for the first time since 1980. They're doing a lot of good. And there's only seven and five because they got you know they they had the early sweep and they had the, the the loss against the Reds they lost a game against the Brewers but Cardinals are going good but the team that that needs to be talked about right now are the Blues the Blues beat the Blues won on the road or let's say that they won in Chicago in the playoffs for the first time since 2002 and everybody knows that team they know that with Pavel Demetra. You know, he scored the winner. Lou Korak, a Blues reporter, tweeted out a great thing today. It kind of got me thinking about that team and that and that player, the late Pavel Dimitra, who I almost kind of forgot was just a great goal scorer. I mean, in that season in 2001-2002, Pavel Dimitra scored 35 goals, 43 assists, 11 power play goals in all 82 games. He was a center. He was just a great talent. I mean, Keith Kachuk led the team that year in goals with 38, but Keith Kachuk was a guy that just playing up in front of the net, worked on deflections, muscled pucks in. I mean, he had some finesse, but he was more like, kind of like a backus guy. You know, he'd score the occasional good goal, but he was basically kind of a, a physical, you know, a guy that would just plant himself in front of the net and deflect the shot from the point, do a lot of cleanup work. But Pavel Dimitro was an artist. I mean, you know, I just kind of sat back and thought about this guy today. And just, you know, I miss him. I mean, you know, that, that that's the thing about sports and life. Sports, things in sports, memories that will remind you of stuff that will make you literally just kind of sit back and go, fuck, that guy's gone. You know, I thought two, April 2002, the last time the, the Blues won a playoff game in Chicago, you know, Daryl Kyle was alive. You know, Daryl Kyle was, was pitching. You know, he, he was one of the most underrated Cardinals to ever put on the birds in the back. And, you know, two months later he was gone. So when I heard that, when I saw that tweet from the Blues reporter, 
Luke Hornick, I just kind of thought about Pavel, and I thought about the Cardinals, and I thought about the Blues and that great team. And here we are surprising the Hawks because everybody, the feeling I had today as the Hawks kind of came out and they scored real fast with a Seabrook goal and took a 2-1 to lead and this, you know, the Hawk, the referees, who I still don't think should be blamed for everything, but they, they do have a tendency to call everything on the on, on the Blues I think if somebody, you know, shoved Patrick Kane in the wrong direction, they would give him a two-minute minor. The Blues kind of stole that game. If I had to put a, a, a theme on it, they stole that game. They walked into the United Center. They're down 2-1 to one, heading into, into the third period. That, for all Blues fans, that means they're just going to give in. You know, their mental toughness dissolves into shit in the postseason. It's the Blues team that we usually know today you know, Berglund flicks a puck right as he comes into the zone and it bounces up off a skate and off the ice and over Corey Crawford's shoulder and it's tied. And then Jaden Schwartz off an amazing feed from David Backus. A pass that I think David Backus had that puck for a millisecond before he dished it to, to Schwartz in front of the net and he just finished it. And right then and there you're like, can the Blues do this? And, of course, the Hawks made it, they made it tough, man. They pulled their goalie. They, they unloaded shots. But the Blues resisted the choke. It's like the Hawks and their history were trying to get their hands around the the. I hate wanting to say the Cardinals. It's, it's bad. When they're both playing, it's bad. But the Hawks and, and the history of the Blues wanted to choke them today. It's like, come on, just let us choke you. You'll go down 2-1. to one. We'll win the next two games, and then we'll just send you into a long summer of bitterness and depression. But the Blues fought back. Brian Elliott saved over 40 shots today. He's easily the MVP of this series, along with Alex Petrangelo, who unfortunately, since he can't score like Al McKinnis and Shea Weber, is deemed tradable by most Blues fans when he's just a minute eater. He is Yadier Molina on the ice. You know, like Marshall Falk back in the day for the Rams. He was like a, it's like he had a computer when he was in the backfield, and he would read the whole play. Yadier Molina does that for the Cardinals. Petrangelo does that for the Blues. He knows how to work in the defensive zone. He is a wizard at the point. I'm a Kevin Shattenkirk honk. But I can say if, if I had to choose one of them right now, it'd be Petro. Petro is a future captain. The Dave Backus, the Blues can't afford to bring back the captain. And it's going to be a sad day, but I love Backus. I just think he's going to be too expensive, especially if, you know, if he has a great postseason and he just raises his value. But Petro is a guy that I think, okay, if Backus leaves, he should get the C. This guy plays over 30 minutes a game in the playoffs. He's got a motor. He's a smart player. The other players respect him. This guy soaked up every bit of knowledge from Barrett Jackman before Jackman left before this season. He's a true leader. He's just a smart guy. Man. He's a guy that you get behind. And it's not just in the goals and assists and the plus minus. He plays against the, the other team's best players. He plays the most. He's a guy that Blues fans should rally around. So Elliott and Petro are just badasses. The Blues have a two-to-one lead. They play another game on Tuesday in the United Center, and they come home on Thursday. And they it's a crazy schedule where they come home, they go back, they come home, they go back. Next Monday is a probable game seven. If it's needed, we will see. I hope it's not. I hope the Blues can win Tuesday, come home Thursday, and close this the fuck out so we can just deny the Blackhawks' entry in the second round. 
and and watch as Patrick Kane has to walk away like a sad little bitch. That's what he was today in the penalty box as the, as the Blues scored the go-ahead goal. He was took a four-minute double minor because he high-sticked Petro and cut Petro's cheekbone. And he was like, oh, it was a sad Patrick Kane face. Not as good as a sad Vince Vaughn face, but sad nonetheless. we got two minutes left, and we've only gone through three topics. Okay, so... The missing St. Louis will have to be another. That could be an entire podcast I might do tomorrow night. It's just like where I just need to get some whiskey and just kind of just talk into the night. But movie reviews. Movie Batman versus Superman. If you are a Superman, Batman fan, if not, say fuck it. Go watch a movie called 10 Cloverfield Lane, a good sci-fi thriller, kind of all kinds of shit. Three people locked in in a basement with Something upstairs that could kill them. You don't know what it is. It's good. Midnight Special from Arkansas native Jeff Nichols, who did Mud with McConaughey. It's got some Road to Perdition elements, the Abyss elements. It's a movie about a father and a son. The kid has some kind of special powers. The government and everybody wants him, but the dad needs to get him somewhere by a certain time. It's a road flick. It's great. Uh, I watched Demolition with Jake Gyllenhaal this past week. It's about a a widow who's kind of dealing with the death of his wife in a lot different way than you really would suspect. It's by the guy that did Dallas Buyers Club and Wild. It's a good movie. It's a movie for the soul. It's not for done for commerce or to make money or to make sequels. It's just just a movie. It's it's a good old-fashioned flick. A uh, movie to open in this week, it opened on Friday, called Criminal with Kevin Costner. I'm, I'm going to watch that probably Tuesday. Thanks for listening, folks. That's going to be it. i got to wrap this up. I want to thank you for listening. Send me some questions, at Buff82 on Twitter. If you listened and you liked it, tell me what I'm doing good. Tell me all the stuff I'm doing bad. I can handle it. Everybody have a good night. It is officially Monday. Monday blues are real, but it doesn't mean you got to surrender to them. Kick ass. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.